Welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together. No topic is taboo as we explore and publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. So, are you in? I had a friend who ended up with two girls back at a hotel room. They were getting drunk and partying and at some point during the night, they asked him to stand and have sex with one of them in front of a laptop. Many years later, he found out that they had uploaded it to the internet. It's not just women that suffer, like, they get treated horribly and have, you know, stuff like this happen, like revenge porn happen. It happens to men too. Welcome back to the second part of the season three finale with my dear friend Stefan Wolf and one of the masterminds behind the Single at 30 podcast. Together in this episode, we exchange traumatic dating stories as well as discuss what actually classifies a woman as crazy. Stefan shares what he thinks are some of the rules surrounding committed relationships and the use of social media. I also try to get to the bottom of why so many men are scared to approach women as well as whether men actually care if women have sex on a first date or not. Lastly, we explore why a lot of men are fuckboys, whether cheating and ghosting is forgivable, and end the conversation with some much-needed insight into what men actually want most in a woman. As previously mentioned, some of the topics are quite explicit, and a lot of the questions I ask, many of you wrote in to me, so I hope you find the answers useful. So, let's jump right back in. So I have a million crazy and traumatic dating stories. I'm curious to know if men experience the same level of trauma. What is your craziest dating story? You've mentioned the one in Hungary. I mean, that was a bad one. That was <laughs> that was pretty bad. Like, I, it doesn't sound as bad as it was, but these guys were actually terrifying. Um, it was it was quite traumatic. I'll take the story of a very close friend of mine because I think that his exemplifies how crazy dating stories can be for both men and women and how horribly wrong they can go. But I had a friend, um, and a very close friend, and I was kind of involved in dealing with this trauma that it caused him, um, who went on a date, ended up with two girls back at a hotel room who, you know, they were getting uh, drunk and partying and they all, uh, they had sex and at some point during the, the night, uh, they asked him to stand and have sex with uh, one of them in front of a laptop, which was opened. I mean, that, he's a bit daft to have done this because, I mean, you would, I would think to myself, well, I mean, <laughs> laptops have cameras. What's going on here? But, you know, it's they ended up while well, he was having um, sex with this girl from behind looking into the camera. One of them Skyped the girl's uh ex-boyfriend. So, and he answered with a video call and saw his ex-girlfriend getting, you know, done from behind. And that was these girls, they were just wanted to be vindictive towards this guy and they, they did what they did. And they also filmed the entire thing. Um, they filmed the entire thing and many years later, he found out that they had uploaded it to the internet and he, he found out that he'd you know, for no reason other than that they probably wanted to make some money off of the video, put up this video of him having sex with them both. And um, I actually helped him go to the... Well, I'd have to talk talk through it all with him, obviously, um, and then ultimately go to the police. But it's not just... It's not just women that suffer, like, they get treated horribly and have, you know, stuff like this happen, like revenge porn happen. It happens to men too. 
are probably not by nowhere near to the same um, frequency as it does happen to women, but it definitely happens. That is a wild story. It's um, terrible. Was he successful in uh, getting the video off? I don't think you're ever. I don't think once something's on the internet, I don't think you're ever really <laughs> successful in getting it off. But I think it was as successful as can be, and I haven't heard about it since. So I'd assume that he was um, moderately successful. And he's not the only person. I have a, a girlfriend again in the platonic sense that. Uh, you know, had her ex-boyfriend upload videos of them to the internet. It's like it's that's not okay. It's horribly. But wait a minute. Listen to the <laughs> tone in your voice. Listen to the tone in your voice. Okay, just sorry. That, Can oh we just? Oh my re- god. <laughs> Let's rewind. She trusted her boyfriend. Okay. This other person had a one night stand with two girls who said, hang on, wait for me to just open the laptop. I mean, it's completely different circumstances. I don't support what they did either. But when you're in an intimate, trusting relationship with your boyfriend, not ever do you think that he's going to release revenge porn. I I get it, but it's also definitely, and I think that, you know, this this goes to a different um, perception of whether or not it's okay to... um, do stuff like that to guys. Like, um, of course it's not okay. I know, but I get the feeling from the tone of voice that you just had that you think it's worse when it happens to women just, than men. I don't uh, think it's worse. And that, that, you know, that makes me think of if I'm walking through a bar and a girl grabs my ass, which happens or has happened, you know, moderately frequently, nothing gets done about it. No one cares. I'm expected to just cop it. If it happens to a girl, it's a big deal. And, and it should be a big deal. Don't get me wrong. It absolutely should be a big deal. It's it's a shame that it's not perceived, and and there are different things. I get it. One, I just think it's a matter of frequency. Like if yeah. it was happening to men as regularly as it happens to women, and if you weren't as physically able, it's the power imbalance. Physically yeah, makes a big yeah. difference, and there's a threat there. But speaking of crazy dating stories, what exactly classifies a woman as crazy? Because I hear it all the time, mm. and I've definitely been guilty of it. Like I'm fully aware of when I'm acting crazy, but I'm curious to know what men's perspective on crazy is. <laughs> I mean, I, again, just like the term dirty, I wouldn't use the term crazy. A lot of The problem is that a lot of people do. That, that's the issue. I think that there's, a, there's an imbalance in the way expression of emotion is perceived between men and women. So, you know, if you look at the uh, political campaign run by Hillary Clinton, where, you know, news articles would describe her as hysterical when she was giving impassioned speeches. They would describe Donald Trump as forceful. Um, that kind of uh, dichotomy in, in d- description is kind of like super prevalent. And I notice it all the time when I'm with my friends, whether they're guys or girls. Even girls I know are more likely to call other girls crazy than, than, than to use other terms, which might be more, you know, accurate. Um, crazy I th- psycho, that sort of thing. Crazy psycho, crazy bitch, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's like a go-to. Um, it, there's got to be a, and there's a long history of it. And I'm no historian, but definitely, you know, obviously people have been blaming hysteria or female melancholy on just regular emotional expression mm-hmm. uh, for a very long time. And I'm well aware of that. And I try and, you know, take that into consideration anytime it crosses my mind, oh, they're being crazy. A lot of the time when you dig into it, they're not being crazy. They're experiencing a normal emotional reaction to an emotional input that if you had done to you, you would you'd, you know, show a similar emotional response. But um, as for what, if we're talking about 
what are the types of behaviors that men um, see that they then describe as quote unquote crazy. If, if you're asking that, then I would say it tends to be when women uh, it tends to be when women assert themselves in, in a masculine way. So, for instance, if I go out to a bar and or a party and I see a guy who grabs my girlfriend's ass and I punch him. A lot of people, now I don't condone that behavior at all, but a lot of people would say, oh, he's just being a man, he's, protect, he's protective, he's just protecting his girlfriend, it's totally fine. Now, a woman, if, if I go out and a woman grabs my ass and my girlfriend knocks her out, they're going to say she overreacted, it's crazy, she's, freaking, she's a crazy bitch, like she just, she just goes, she goes ham. You know, they're going to perceive Absolutely. that very differently. And it, the crazy term tends to get thrown out when women, I think, from my observations, step into the realm of what is perceived as masculine. Um, if a woman at work is being very particular, like, you know, I've worked in pretty particular industries before. If a woman at work is being very particular and she's senior, um, guys can fall back on that that term to be like, oh, she's just... She's just fucking crazy. Like, like, she's just a crazy boss. You know, she's just... Whereas a, a guy doing the same thing, they're going to be more... He's just demanding. He just respects the best, you know? And that, so it just... I think it comes down to that, to be honest. Okay, yes. And I completely agree. And mm. I've spoken about it in previous apps. But, like, I've got a friend, right? Mm-hmm, so this mm-hmm. is, like... And I suppose it can almost be like a hypothetical because I feel like so many people can relate to this. But like I have a number of friends who have been called crazy by their boyfriends for either suspecting behavior that seems a bit wrong, you know, like going out on a Saturday night and not answering their phone all night. They are referred to as crazy when they Mm. have a reaction to that sort of behavior, which I don't feel like is fair. You know, mm. to just call a woman crazy for her catching on to the fact that their partner is being like dodgy. Yeah, I I agree. There's and there's there tends to be a lot of gaslighting going on on behalf yeah. of men as well. Yeah, crazy can be a defense mechanism when you feel that you're under attack and uh, the other person is demanding things of you that you feel aren't reasonable. But then it comes down to, well, what do you guys consider reasonable as a couple? And I think, look, I think some people say that relationships shouldn't have rules. I think that we all, every relationship you can imagine has rules, whether you talk about them or not. For instance, it is, whether you say it or not, it is a rule that you're not going to sleep with your partner's father. It doesn't need to be said, but it's a rule. It's there. It's a, it's an expectation. You and mean if, mother or father? Mother or father. Either way, you don't sleep with your partner's mother or father. Okay, that's a rule. It doesn't need to be said. You don't walk around completely bare butt naked in public. That's a rule. It's a societal rule. It doesn't need to be said. Okay. Obviously, it is laid down in law, but it doesn't need to be said. Um, generally, now relationships are full of things like that. But then there are gray areas where there's there are disagreements among people in society about what's okay and what's not okay. The best way, and this is from my experience um, being in and out of relationships, and I've had relationships fail because I didn't do this. Uh, the best thing that you can do is really set out rules early on. Be very upfront about this is the kind of person I am. This is the kind of person you are. What are these rules going to be? So, for, for instance, my girlfriend told me, if you are dating me, I don't want you to look at porn. 
I don't want you to follow girls uh, on Instagram that post stuff like me. And I don't want you to follow people that you've um, slept with in the past um, or be in contact with exes unless, you know, it's like super, super platonic or it's, you know, like, you know, you know once in a while you, you chat to them and, you know, something like that. And And I thought, you know what, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to have those same rules for my partner if she hadn't said it. But if she's happy to abide by the same ones, then I can work with that. That I don't perceive that as quote unquote crazy. That's just about maybe she falls a bit closer towards the like quote unquote controlling end of the spectrum. But that's totally fine. It's all about what works for you. She's my hero. She knows what she wants she knows and what she's she not going to settle for and less. She, that's amazing. Exactly. And she, you lay it out at the front. And if, if you're, then your partner can't turn around one day and say, oh, no, you didn't tell me this. You didn't tell me that. Like, no, you lay it out and seek what you want and, and get it. And it, it clears things up. It makes things crystal clear. And, and it's not about a right or a wrong thing. Like, as I said, I wouldn't necessarily, if she hadn't presented those to me, say, I want you to do all those things as well because I fall at the end of the spectrum that's a bit more um, free and less controlling. And again, I don't want to say controlling in like a really negative way. I'm not saying she's like crazy controlling or anything. It's just two ends of a she's spectrum. Got boundaries. There's two ends of a spectrum with two different sets of boundaries, you know, and that's okay. Working out what you can agree on and being really clear about what the rules are is really important. And I think that that's what needs to be done. So let's rewind back to the part where your girlfriend doesn't want you to watch porn. Mm-hmm. Is it because she sees porn as cheating? Is yeah. it cheating? Well, I mean... Is it a form of cheating? Okay, well, look, cheating, <laughs> cheating as a subjective definition. I mean, obviously, there is an, an objective definition, but in, terms, in regards to uh, how that word is used in relationships, it depends who you are. My swinger friends wouldn't say that having sex with strangers other than their partner is cheating, and yet I would consider that cheating. She absolutely considers watching porn cheating. I respect that, so I don't do it. Um, for for me, I I wouldn't call it for. I would say it's cheating if if I'm in a relationship with someone. One thing I do think that there needs to be is equality. So if I'm not watching porn, she's not watching porn. I kind of believe in that. So if she did it, it would be cheating. If I did it, it would be cheating because we've agreed on that. We've established that's what the definition is. That's what we can't count as cheating, right? But I don't think that's a general rule for everyone. I don't think that everyone should necessarily have that rule. I'm sure there are lots of relationships where people watch porn together or separately and they have a great time and it's all good. So let's go back to Instagram because I have another friend who's been talking to me about issues uh, with her partner and how she's seeing like women post comments on a lot of his photos that are like of the fire emoji or, Mm. you know, stuff like that, which basically implies that these women find her partner hot Mm. and it's driving her crazy. But at Mm. at the same time, she doesn't want to appear crazy. I get it. Yeah. I mean, this whole social media thing. This is why I hate social media. Me too. (laughs) But would you be upset if you saw guys doing that, that you know or know that we're interested in your girlfriend posting comments like that on your girlfriend's Instagram Mm. page? So it... I can't control what other people do. So, and people do. Uh, my girlfriend gets creepy messages from guys all the time, or people commenting on her stuff all the time, or when we're out being creepy all the time. It's like something I just live with, and I can't control what they do. So, it's not. Does it piss me off? Not really. Like I expect um, a pig to behave like a pig, and to do otherwise would be uh, insanity. Um, and there are always going to be guys that do stuff like that. Her reaction is what determines whether I'm pissed off or not. So if she, if guys are commenting on her page saying, oh, you look like this, you look like that, and she was replying to them all saying, thanks so much, you know, XXX to all of them. Yeah, at some point I'd be like, God, like, 
I wouldn't even respond to those people like that, you know, but, um, but if she doesn't give them a lot of, you know, the time of day, then it's fine. It's not something she's doing. Um, now that being said, if they, if it was people, like if it was one of her friends that, that, that she hung out with and was a guy friend and he was commenting on her post all the time saying, you look so hot, babe, like this, that, and, and the other things. Yeah, I'd start to be like, well, I would tell him. I'd say, I'd say, uh, Michelle, why haven't you set a boundary with this guy so he knows he can't post stuff like that? Given that we're in a relationship, why is he hitting on you on Instagram right in front of everyone and me? That's not okay. You need to set a boundary there because he's a, someone that you know. You know. Whereas I if think it's, it's always yeah. worse when it's people you know, right? Yeah. Whereas if it's just like random guys on on Instagram, I mean, my. My girlfriend used to have an Instagram account with a million followers. Of course, there are going to be people that post heaps of crap. Like, she's not going to go through all of them and say, you can't say this about me. You can't say that about me. You're blocked. This, but the better thing to do is just throw your hands up in the air and say, look, people are going to be dickheads. They're going to hit on you. They're going to hit, and they're going to hit on my girlfriend. It is what it is. Um, I, just try not to, I just take it as a compliment. And that's what's, you know what's really weird? I've, she's actually shown me some of the um, conversations that these guys, well, they're not conversations, they're one-sided monologues that they send to her. And I, <laughs> and I, go, and I just, just out of interest, I like look at them sometimes and I go and I click on her, their profiles. 90% of the time, I'm not joking, it's 90%. That's a, that's a stat that I've, from my personal observations, they either have girlfriends or are married with kids. And then they're sending these messages to, to this model that they do not know, this girl they have no idea about on Instagram saying things like, uh, come to Dubai, question mark, sex, question mark, or you look like a good prostitute, exclamation mark. Wow. Like, and these are people with kids and like, or, or, or hey, baby, you know, can we meet? <laughs> you know, it's... It's, it, it blows my mind that I don't, I actually don't understand. I would love to have them on the podcast to try and get their psychology and just say, look, what's the success rate here? Like, are you, are you doing well with this? Or what's the motivation? <laughs> are you just trying to demean people? Like, what, do you feel bad about yourself? Where's this coming from? That would be interesting. So I feel like men are super precious when it comes to approaching women in Sydney compared to cities like New York, or even in my experience, Melbourne. Are men scared to approach women these days? I think that there's mixed messaging about approaching women these days um, in the Western world and in, in Australia. So on the one hand, where I know a lot of girls that, that tell me, oh, God, I wish that guys would just actually come up to me at the bar. Like I sit at the bar and guys aren't, they're not coming up. And when they're in New York or when they're in um, uh, London, they are coming up and they're having a chat, right? And they're mingling. Or, they're, or particularly if they're in Mediterranean countries or Latin countries, there's a much more forward attitude to... Um, flirting, especially with, with, with strangers in public. Um, but at the same time, we are told and it's reinforced to us that, you know, we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And that's where I kind of sit on, on, on that end. I, I'm happy or I, when I was single, I was happy to go and talk to people at a bar and approach them. Right. But I was also conscious in my mind that I had to be very careful not to, uh, make them feel uncomfortable or to, you know, ruin a girl's night out that they want to have and not have this happen to them 10 times over the night where guys just come up one after the other, you know, approaching them. So I would tend not to approach because I'd rather meet people through common friends or, or something like that, it, which isn't to say that I, I never did it. But it's just something that, you know, where it's reinforced to us that we need to be careful about and cautious about. Um, 
And also there are different reasons why men don't approach women um, in or why they're precious about it. And I'm, I'm only speaking from my experience. So I'm not sure if this applies to the whole of Australia or just Sydney or just my friends. But, you know, some of them have... I think especially from their younger years, a lot of trauma from experiencing, uh, from approaching girls and trying to hit on them and being shut down in really harsh, horrible ways. So, you know, and <laughs> my girlfriend's done this to a lot of guys. I, my heart goes out to them, by the way. Um, she's very savage with this stuff. Um, but if a guy approaches and you, you don't like the look of him and you just say, oh, like, get away from me, you're disgusting. And all he said is, hi, Always says, hey, could I get you a drink? And and you just turn around and go, oh, gross. Like, why do you even think you can talk to me? Or get away, you're Wait, disgusting. Wait, has your girlfriend been guilty of that before? I don't think she's been guilty of that. But she, she, you know, if, if a guy is nice to her, like genuinely nice, she probably would just give them a, um, just give them a look and probably say nothing and just turn around. So she's not, she's not being mean, but she's not engaging like, at all. Like right. zero, zero engagement. And I get that too. Like, it's the same, you know, if you get approached a lot of times, it's like when I was living in India, people used to want to take photos with me. Um, and uh, I, you know, the first hundred times, it's fine. The second hundred times, it's really not fun. And you, by the third hundred times, you're just saying, piss off. So, you know, I understand that too. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying people, you know, it's girls' fault. They should 100% be being nice to these guys that approach them at bars. They don't have to be. And I understand that. But, if you're looking at why guys don't approach, it's because a lot of the time, a lot of guys get rejected really badly. It traumatizes them. They don't want to do it again. So they, that's the answer to your question. But also, you know, it's it, it's an unfair world. Like I'll say this, it's, it's extremely unfair world. I have friends that will go up to a girl at a bar and say exactly the same thing as what another one of my friends would say. And because of their difference in appearance, the response can be literally different like this, can be get the fuck away from me to, oh, hey, absolutely. You know, like, let's get a drink. Same girl, exactly the same words, two different looks. And that's fine as well, you know? The girls don't have to want to chat with someone that they don't find attractive. Well, they shouldn't have to. All I'm saying is it's an unfair world. It's a, it's a harsh world. And that traumatizes some people and it makes them not want to approach girls. So I'm super conservative when it comes to sleeping with guys, and I've always envied women who are a lot more promiscuous, but I know there is a certain stigma attached with that, and I'm curious to know where that comes from, from your perspective. Mm. For me, there's not a stigma attached to being promiscuous for me. Like, if someone slept with 100 people, they've slept with 100 people. It is what it is, but and I, and I don't blame them for it, and it's, it's okay they've done that. I don't judge them for it, but there's a, there's a caveat here. Even though I consciously believe that, even though my true deep, 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 deep self believes that, there's another part of my head which is a bit insecure, which is full of intrusive thoughts, which will go, oh, God, like my partner slept with 100 people and it'll make me, it'll, it'll tell me things and I can't get images out of my head and it's, it makes it hard. It makes it difficult. Um, and that can be a challenge sometimes. I remember I, I had one partner who I thought had had a uh, gangbang and I could never get that image out of my head. Wow. And it was very difficult for me. And I don't, do I have a problem with people who have gangbangs? No. You know, if you want to do that, totally fine. Like, I don't, I'm not judging that. But at the same time, I couldn't get the image out of my head. Now, it transpired they actually hadn't had a gangbang, thankfully. <laughs> Where um, did that even come from? Yeah, I, look, long story. We're not going to get into it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they hadn't. And, it's, um, and that was very relieving. Um, but I, I, can und I think some of the stigma 
uh, besides, you know, evolution and competition resources, some of the stigma get, is attached to it because it can be difficult when we live in a society that values like pristineness and purity and things like that. Um, to visualize your partner having had sex with a lot of people and, and to be thinking to yourself that, oh, this person that I love so much was just a one-night stand for this other guy because then it creates a sense of, oh, is that other guy better than me? If, my, if my, the person I love is just a one-night stand for him and he doesn't care about her and he rejected her afterwards, say, like hypothetically, and then I love her, does that mean that he's better than me? Like these are the kinds of – they don't make – it's not rational. It, it's not logical. But these are the types of things that can run through someone's mind. And, they, you know, that's an issue for them to work with at the same time. It's not, it's not on people to solve the mental health issues of their partners um, or the, fix the insecurities of their partners. But I think that thoughts like that and things like that can create, make it difficult to date someone that's been really promiscuous. So do guys you know actually care if the girl they're interested in has sex on the first date? Um... Most guys I know wouldn't care and would be happy to date someone that sleeps with them on the first date. But, for instance, most guys I know wouldn't be happy to date someone who had been a professional escort. Really? Yeah. Like that, that they, most guys I know wouldn't be happy to date someone that had been a professional escort or that had been in multiple gangbangs or something extreme like that. But if they've slept with someone on the first date, yeah, of course, most guys I know would have no issue with that. And they wouldn't judge them or have it. Or, or I, I think maybe, you know, back, it could be reflective of my age as well. Like I'm 33. We're not running around drinking vodka double blacks, calling women sluts. Like that's not where we're at in life. That's not where, you know, and, and I actually never was. But, but, but <laughs> just to clarify, just to clarify. But I think, you know, that kind of behavior is more common, common and that kind of using those terms is more common and judging on people being promiscuous is more common among younger people, uh, younger guys. I hope it is anyway. So why are so many men fuck boys? <laughs> Does sleeping with lots of women actually make you happy? Um, I, it doesn't make me happy. Be it wouldn't, honest. It wouldn't, honestly, it wouldn't make me happy. The best sex you have is sex in a relationship. I genuinely 100% mean that. Um, and it's, so it's, true. it's tiring. Going it's sleeping with strangers is bloody tiring. And it's even going on dates. Dating is tiring. It's exhausting. It's yeah. I've heard you describe how exhausting it is. Trust me, it's the same from a guy's perspective. It's expensive. And, and it's more expensive <laughs> from a guy's perspective. So I mean, uh, I, I challenge that. You the cha- amount of money we invest in our appearance. Oh, that's true. Is and our maintenance. Oh yeah is equally as expensive compared to the dinner that you buy us. Well, yeah. Our lingerie alone yeah, often it can be, it is can as be... expensive as the dinner, if not more. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, I was doing the financials. Our hair removal treatments. Yeah. Yeah. No, really. I know. I know. Trust me. I know how much a hair bill, like a color, you know, a color could, can be. Like, it's it's expensive. Yeah. Um, I would say that there is a certain level of competition that is fostered in men, especially in some institutions like private schools, that encourages... Uh, competitive sexual conquest, you know, between men for over women. And I've seen that firsthand. I've seen it in football teams. I don't play football, but I have friends that do. I've seen it in professional football teams. I've seen it uh, wherever there's a lot of guys and there's competition between them, there can be competition in sexual conquests. And it it never ends well. And it it can absolutely produce fuckboys. And I don't think that, you know, it's why games like League have to really be careful to, Make sure 
they're clearing themselves of that image because they have they have an image problem with it. And uh, I think private boys' schools have an image problem with it too because it's it's real. There's a problem there, and um, they're producing fuckboys. So. Uh, I mean, we discussed this in the rape culture episode I did with Chanel. Yeah, Contos. and I couldn't, you know, I agree with I agree with that, that kind of sentiment. I've seen it, so I'm just I'm just validating that, backing that up from the male perspective. I've seen it; it happens. Um, so once a fuckboy, always a fuckboy. Absolutely not. Really? Um, what do you just get tired of being a fuckboy? I think that that can happen, or you can have. Look, it's like a it's it's like like a heroin junkie. Um, you probably have most, most people struggle to relapse, right? I mean, struggle to recover and they end up relapsing rather. Uh, but that doesn't mean they all do. You should never, if you say once a fuckboy, always a fuckboy, you're literally telling every other person, every person that acts that way, you're never going to be able to change. And that's not a good thing to start with. You want to always open, leave the door open for change for anyone, no matter what they've done in life. And I genuinely believe people can change and I've seen it firsthand and it may not be super common. Maybe people that are cheaters tend to remain cheaters, but some people have complete changes of heart. And I've got a a great case of that actually with a a friend of mine in Hungary who was um, engaged to a a girl and um, at the same time uh, cheating on her very frequently. Uh, I think he may have slept with 50 other women in their engagement. And in the end... um, one of his close friends uh, uh, said to him that they weren't going to go to the wedding unless he told her that he'd done all this beforehand. And there was basically an intervention on behalf of the family and friends and everything. Wow. And he told her the whole unfiltered truth about years of cheating, like totally unfiltered, the worst kind of cheating you can imagine, right? They got through it. They got married. He never cheated again. They are a beautiful couple and it's, it's working really well. And if that can happen, if, if, the, if, if, if a, a quote-unquote fuckboy like that can turn into a model husband, I think it, it's possible. So, Do we know what made him change? Confronting, I think that a lot of cheaters and, and guys that treat women, you know, if we, by fuckboy you just mean a guy that, you know, is going to have sex with someone totally, then just ghost them the next day, um not be emotionally responsible. If that's our definition, it's yeah. a guy that's not emotionally responsible, does not care about other people's um, well-being and pursues sex at all costs. Are we happy with that definition? Sure. So if we're using that definition, then I think that a lot of them either are removed from female influence in their life and are basically friends with other people who have similar um, codes of conduct and so they all reinforce each other or they conceal it from people and so never confront it so either they're not having it they're not being confronted by people that are saying you know what that's not okay we just need more people going you know that's not okay you can't do that you can't ghost someone you can't cheat on them if you're going to cheat on her i'm going to not speak to you until you tell the truth and if everyone was a bit harsher and a bit more uh, action-oriented and adamant about making sure that they watched over the people around them in regards to how they treat people, then we'd all be doing better. But, you know, it's easier said than done. Um, and I think that for the case of my, my friend in Hungary, uh, it was, in the end, it was his close friends and family saying to him, this isn't okay behavior and you're going to have to, if you want to keep the girl you love, you're going to have to tell the truth. And he did. And when he realized the pain it caused her, because in mm. his head, 
it's it's like a you don't he doesn't see what it's doing, so he thinks that it's okay, because it's like an out of sight, out of mind thing. It's a well, if she doesn't know, she's not getting hurt, but you know that's not fair. And um, in the end, when he saw the pain it caused, he would never be able to do it again because he couldn't live with himself. Wow. And so obviously you have a lot of experience when it comes to dating women. I know that you've had a number of relationships. Mm-hmm. In your experience, what do you think women are most insecure about? Uh, insecurity is... I mean, obviously if you're dating a fuckboy, you're going to be insecure that they're cheating, cheating on you yeah, and exactly. you're not good enough. You exactly. Know? I think that a lot of the time people are insecure about the things where they're not uh, reassured enough or given enough security. Now that's the same for guys and girls. Um, but you know, I've, I've dated 27 year olds that are too, that are really worried that they're too old, which is insane to me. I've, uh, dated models that think that they're ugly, which is crazy. Um, uh, I've, you know, I've dated people that are insecure about their intelligence. I've dated, you know, I've seen the, the, the full plethora of, or a plethora of insecurities. Um, the most common one I would say is appearance. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's because for women, appearance is the, society makes it out to be like the defining factor in attraction. And, you know, um, to a degree, it is the most defining factor. I know it's a big statement, but, um, for, whereas for, for men, I think men are often, especially at my age, can be insecure about success and that they don't provide enough and that other guys can provide more and they're not, you know, living up to what they, their girlfriend expects of them to put down. Um, uh, but we also have, you know, insecurities about the way we look as well. I definitely do. I absolutely do. So Really? Yeah, of course. All the big guys I know, not all, a lot of the big guys I know um, that spend a lot of time in the gym are deeply insecure about their appearance. I'm insecure about my appearance. I go to the gym quite frequently. I look at myself all the time and think, God, am I too fat? Am I too skinny? Am I skinny fat? What's going on? Am I, I don't skinny know. fat? <laughs> like it goes... I actually remember <laughs> yeah. when you asked me that. You see? I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. Like, it, it, it happens. Like, you know? And I think that appearance for girls, though, tends to be the, the main insecurity that I've seen in my partners. Um, I did have one girlfriend that was, you know, convinced I was cheating on her when I wasn't. Uh, and that was her deep, deepest insecurity. And um, Well, let's talk about that because I recently watched a mm. TED Talk by relationship guru Esther Perel on infidelity, and I'm curious to know what your thoughts on it are. Do you believe you could take someone back if they cheated on you? I have taken someone back after they cheated on me. Wow, but you're all about justice. I am all so about that justice. really confuses me. I am me. all about justice <laughs> and people, you know, and equality and fairness. I am all about that. But at the same time... that. The circumstances were that they had gone out. I'm, I'm a very trusting person, so I'll you know, put that at the beginning. So if I date someone and they say, I want to have a girl's night out and get trashed till 6 in the morning, I'm going to do that three nights in a row. I won't ask a question. I'll say, okay, no worries. I won't ask. I won't worry. I give you all my trust. Um, and I did that with, with my partner, and they came back one night after a girl's night out um, with some lovely Latin men who were great dancers and told me uh, it, it was nothing, you know, crazy. It was they just really came in at maybe four in the morning, sat down next to the bed in tears and said, I just cheated on you. I just hooked up with a, a guy at the Latin dance club. And we'd been dating for maybe a year, and it, I just I looked at them and I just said, 
okay, uh, let's go to sleep. And then they want to talk about it. I didn't even want to talk about it. I just kind of just put it out of my head. And then I woke up in the morning and I felt really bad. And um, we kind of discussed it. And I, I think I... I think I booked a flight to Hungary. I think I was in Sydney at the time and I just booked a flight to Hungary. I think I left maybe like a couple of days later um, just to clear my mind. As I, you do. You as you do. Yeah. Catch a flight to Hungary. Yeah, and then I was in Hungary little for bit a, a little Mental bit of distance. little bit of distance. distance. Yeah, it was probably torture for them to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, everything's fine. You can actually stay in my apartment while I'm gone, but I'm going to Hungary for a month. Bye. You know? <laughs> yeah, of, and they would have assumed the worst yeah, as well. Yeah, and nothing happened in Hungary with anyone. And I was just thinking, you know what? I miss this person. I love them. They were honest. They came and told me the truth. Uh, and that's very hard to do. I imagine. I don't. I don't think that's common. I think that no, I agree. a lot of people would cheat and just hide it. And you know, I would never have known. So she was honest, and I respect that. So I gave her a second chance. In the end, I became too resentful, and it it destroyed yeah. our relationship. So it didn't work. At this point, would I take my partner back if they cheated on me? No, I don't think so. Because I don't think it's. I don't, think it's, I, I don't think it's going to work out. I think that in the end, yeah. I'd resent them, no matter how much I wanted. To, now, it would be different if I was married to them we had children. It's funny because I was actually talking to somebody about this mm. recently um, because obviously when you have children with the person, it changes the game a little bit. Absolutely. One side of me is like, no, fuck you. I'm going to walk straight out and teach my kids that they should never like put up with anything like that. But then the other half of me is like, you're a family. You have commitments. You're supposed to work on things together. Yeah. It depends on the specifics of the situation, I think. You know, if we're talking about sustained emotional ongoing cheating and you're married. And this is what we concluded. And this is what Esther Perel says. You have to ask questions when somebody cheats. Like, what was the cause of your cheating? Was it emotional neglect on my end? Yeah. So if the answer is yes, the situation is able to be worked on together. It really depends. Like, and it depends how much where the kids are at in life and the amount of trauma they're going to be put through. I think each and every case would need to be analysed and examined and picked through individually to figure out what the best course of action is. She does say, though, that cheating is the ultimate betrayal. It is the ultimate betrayal. That's one thing that, yeah, I'm never going to do and I haven't done and I hope no one else does to me in the future. So, you know. Agreed. So what is a big relationship no-no for you then? Beyond and aside from cheating. For me, a big relationship no-no would be tit-for-tat behavior because that, and, you know, scorekeeping. If you can't brush off, like, the little things and you become passive-aggressive over them and then they respond by being passive-aggressive and then you don't talk and then you and it just escalates. If there's a cycle of escalation in a relationship dynamic where things blow up, for me, that is the ultimate red flag. In my experience, I'm out of there. If the person makes mistakes or is, they can have a lot of bad traits. They could be a bit selfish. They could be a bit egotistical. They could be all these things. All okay, as long as you can discuss it, work on it, and not hold it against the other person that they brought it up. So not think, oh, but you said this. And, and be able to really address issues as they come without bringing up other issues. That's a, that's a big one for me. Projecting. Yeah, well, if I, if, I, if I have a problem that you, uh, you know, were uh, flirting with a guy, and that's the issue that we're dealing with right now, and I'm telling you I feel hurt that that's happened. And then I bring up all the other times I've seen you yeah. acting appropriately. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Even if what you're saying is true, don't do that right then and there. Listen to what I'm saying and how I'm feeling. Address that. Then say, now I've got the separate discussion that we can talk about, and also try and space it out. 
And then, Let me just pull out the archive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that at a different time. It's it's why like, yeah, you need to be able to. You need to be able to address what's being put before you as its own thing. Obviously, in the context of the relationship, but don't start creating lists and scores and 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 just feeling like you're in a battle. If you feel like you're fighting and you're in a battle all the time with little things, not like big arguments, but you feel like you're trying to just get the edge so that they feel guilty like they're the one who isn't being good enough. If you ever start to feel like that, for me, that's like, I'm out of there. So does a woman who is divorced or have kids scare you off? Well, any woman, but Michelle scares me off at the moment. But um, besides, when I was single... She's trained you well. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But when I was single, uh, no, they wouldn't at all because I think that... I would, uh, I would never, I, I, I'm not totally sure where I sit on kids at the moment myself, but it might be easier if they kind of just already existed and I (laughs) entered their life. You know, I have a niece and I love her and she's great and she's, she's four. And if I was, you know, if, if I was single and I met someone that had a four year old, yeah, I'd be happily to, happy to walk into their life. Uh, that wouldn't scare me. It would. I mean, I'd be intimidated by the responsibility because to me that's a much bigger responsibility than just dating someone that is them just by themselves. So that aspect of it is intimidating. But it doesn't in any way make me think, oh, no, I could never date them or something like that, by no means. I guess in a way it's kind of cute to see them love these little people so much as well. Absolutely. I think it is. I think, I think that – and I have nothing but infinite respect for, like, single mothers or single fathers – that do a good job of raising their kids. I have nothing but infinite respect. I've seen, like, with my niece alone, how much time-consuming it is for two parents to raise her. Uh, so to me, I could see if, if you're a well-put-together uh, mentally person and you're raising a child and you're doing okay, I see that as, wow, it's, that's impressive. It's sort of like I see when I see people that have well-trained dogs. I don't know if you're the same, but if I see a really well-trained dog, like one that's just following their owner, no leash on, sits down, does everything, I think that person's, they've got something. They're so impressive. So are you secretly judging me because Luna, my cat, is completely out of control I mean, and rules the house? Yeah, I mean, she did bite me once. I mean, like a couple of so times. So I've trained her well then. Yeah. I mean, I, I, look, Luna's her own spirit. But um. So have you ever been ghosted and do you think ghosting is acceptable? I have been... Have I been ghosted? I don't think I have been ghosted. I've ghosted someone when I was much younger. Definitely don't think it's acceptable. One of the worst things I've ever done. Um, I've definitely been guilty of it. I've yeah. even known couples who have dated each other for years and then rather than going Ooh. through the breakup have just ghosted one another. And it is seriously traumatizing for the person who's been ghosted. Of course, Particularly yeah. when you've invested that much time. Absolutely. If you ghost one another, I think that's different. But if one person Well, no, no. Is... It was like one person Okay, yeah. Oh, I and see. And I know yeah, a number yeah. of these relationships. Yeah. No, that's horrible. I, it's horrible. I, I was dating someone for maybe two months and I went overseas and they kept messaging me and I told them we were going to be together when I got back. This is when I was maybe 19. So I was very young and stupid and emotionally uh, irresponsible. Retarded. Yeah, yeah, you could use that word. Um, so I just ignored their messages. I went away and they just stopped messaging me eventually. Uh, it's, it's to this day one of the worst things I've ever done. I feel very bad about it. Uh, I don't Maybe think you ghosting... need to send an apology message. I already message. did. I oh, did about... did they ghost you on the message? Yeah. <laughs> well deserved. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is karma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what do men want most in a woman? Uh, well, it's... I think men want a lot of things. They want... Just like women want a lot of things in men, but 
If I were to answer this honestly, I would say the way to figure that out is to look at what do the men who have the greatest selection of partners choose in women. So let's just take your your billionaires, your celebrities. Would you agree that generally they have more, quote unquote, like dating pool than the average guy and they have more options than the average guy? Yeah, like let's use Leonardo DiCaprio as an option. So Leonardo can uh, probably choose from more partners than, than, than I could or than, um, you know, the local uh, bar manager could. I think that's fair to say. And the same with a lot of billionaire celebrities. The one thing that seems to be common among all their partners is what? The women they date are hot. Yeah. So, Super hot. Yeah. So now they may have a lot of other characteristics that we can't see. So the fact that all the women that they date, you know, are perceived to be as very attractive by society should indicate to us that that's probably the, in, in people's minds, in male minds, the most important thing. If, the, the, if you can get it, a really attractive girlfriend, you do get it, right? But that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of other things going on as well because they may also, uh, all those women, maybe they also share other characteristics in common that we can't see. Like maybe actually 90% of them are not just really attractive or ostensibly so, but very intelligent. And we just don't know that because we're not giving them all IQ tests, you know? But I would tend to think that's probably not the case and that the hotness is the most important factor. It's the thing that unifies uh, the partners of all the people who have the biggest selection. Therefore, I would argue that it is probably, in the male mind, the most important thing. doesn't mean that there aren't a huge number of other things that are very important. But if you can have a partner who's, by societal standards, very attractive... You generally do. Does a woman's career matter to a man? I have a friend who's, it's the, this is an example counterpoint to to what I just said. He does not care what a woman looks like, their appearance. He does not have a type. His type is a successful woman. Wow. That is his type. He, He wants a woman that is intelligent and that makes bank. That's what he goes for. He's dead set on it. I think it has to do with his, his upbringing. Um, uh, but that's, that's what he seeks. And it's not, it's not a looks thing for him. So, you know, for people like that, career matters a lot. For me, it matters. Uh, I want someone to, to love what they're doing and to be passionate about something, at yeah. least something. I don't, they don't need to make a lot of money. They don't need to be super successful. But they need to be passionate about what they're doing and take an interest in something. And not just, I don't want to, 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 to date someone who doesn't have a passion in life besides... Um, You. Besides me. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, What do you think the key to a lasting relationship is? The key to a lasting relationship would be the ability to uh, discuss things without escalation, as I mentioned earlier. I think that if you can talk through things and be clear and concise and honest with each other and not escalate and manage to do that with difficult topics, very difficult ones, you will be able to work through most stuff and and, and get through it. So for me, it's that ability. Maybe my view is a bit tarnished because the, the last couple of relationships I've had that haven't worked out have lacked that so clearly. And so I'm just like hyper aware that, okay, I need someone that I can talk through hard issues with. And what percentage do you think a relationship relies on having a good and healthy sex life? How important would you say sex okay, is? Okay, how important would I say sex is? Uh, it's important. It's it's a 
it, it would be up there with, you know, the top three or four things in a relationship. Like, Oh, name them. Well, I mean, just off the top of my head, I guess you would go with the ability to communicate and work through tough, you know, issues in a, in a way where it doesn't escalate. Um, shared interests would be up there with me. I think it's important to have some, some shared interests. It, it can just be watching the same types of TV shows or playing video games together or you both like NRL, I don't know, or NFL. Um, uh, the ability to uh, both be moving in roughly the same direction in life. Um, you know, if one of you is going to wants to be here with kids and the other one doesn't, you've got an issue. And then also sex. So I would say sex is up there. That, that's my rough top four, you know, off the top of my head. And porn star sex, of course. And porn star sex, of course. <laughs> for me, for me, yes. That's one that's up there. It's important. I need porn star sex, but so does my partner. So we're... We're winning. A match made in heaven. A match made in heaven. Stefan, we could be here all day, but we got to cut it short. Thank you so much for your time. And if you guys have any more questions that you want answered, please shoot them through. Thank you so much for listening to the second part of the Single 30 Season 3 finale titled Dating and Relationships from a Man's Perspective with my friend Stefan Wolf. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and hit follow and subscribe. Season 4 won't be dropping until early next year, but until then, I am super excited to announce that some bonus apps will be dropping shortly, so please keep an eye out for those and don't forget to tune in over the coming weeks. If you have any questions, feedback, or even an episode idea, DM me on Instagram at single underscore at underscore 30 or join the single 30 closed facebook group to become part of the community where together with other like-minded modern women we publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken as always no topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions most people are too ashamed to ask this is single 30 the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together